Just before we get started, a quick recap. This is part two of our season two kickoff. George is punishingly hungover. Steve is gone. Last we heard from him, he was in Canmore headed for Banff. If you're not familiar with Alberta, that's a wrong turn if you're staying in Calgary. That's not a ton, but it's enough. I think you're up to speed. Let's get on with it. So I'm going to say three, and you guys say two and one along with me, and then we'll start from there. Do you see what I'm saying? Yep. So say the two and one with me. Three, two, two one. 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 <laughs> can we do that again? <laughs> uh, that, <laughs> How can we not do that? You give us instructions and we get counting backwards just three digits wrong. This is season two, episode one, part two, charity. Here's the disclaimer. This is going to be a little unprofessional. There's going to be some swearing. Some place between a locker room and a church gathering, nothing we'd be embarrassed to play for our kids or our parents. That's kind of the zone. If you can live with that, thanks for coming along. If not, thanks for giving it a try. Must come together as one. There are people dying. Oh, when it's time. Four friends trapped in a virtual living room by a virtual snowstorm. This is the Snow Day Podcast. With Dr. George Alvarez. People bring up charity. They're going to think, oh, this is going to be all, you know, butterflies and ice cream. I fucking hate charity, guys. Guy's son and entrepreneur, Leslie Hansen. George punched a girl at the Montcom. Speaker, author, and leadership expert, Stephen DeGroote. I wasn't sure I'm not in cell range at all, and I didn't know about the connection and stuff, so I'm still outside of that. And me, I'm still in Thompson, Bruce Krentz, the one they left behind. And have I ever actually punched someone in the face? No. I elbowed Marnie hard in the eye. We talked about that. That was really bad. This kind of came from a little conversation, I think, that Les and I had, but I'm sure we've all bounced around with it when, Les, you were pitching the hospital that was raising some money with the basketball tournament, and we just started to talk about where are we with charity, what do we do, and uh, for me, anyways, I generally feel bad because I should probably do more. In a lot of senses, people vote with their feet, and if I'm voting with my feet, I probably don't do as much charity stuff as I would like to. I think George would probably like to go last on this one. I'm going to throw to you first, Les. One other thing, Steve's not with us right now. We're hoping that he'll join in before the end of the pod, maybe in time to take a punch in the face for uh, getting too carried away yesterday and missing our deadline. But part of what we talked about at our staff meeting was that we go ahead at the scheduled time with whoever's here. So the three of us are here right now. Lester, your thoughts on charity. What do you think of charitable giving? Yeah, my, my, my first thought is that Steve is a charity case today. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And, and he may join the pod just in time to get a punch in the face. Like This could work out perfectly with these two themes. Bruce, I think you're right. I think we started talking about this last year around the time when I, I actually, for the first time in my life, 
supported a charity with something other than just donating money, right? Because usually that's what we do. Somebody in our world reaches out and says, hey, this is a great cause. Um, we guiltily or non-guiltily throw some money in that direction to, to make ourselves feel um, like better members of society and we go on with our days. Um, last year for the first time ever, I actually got involved in, in trying to raise some significant money for a charity and it was a really cool experience. Um, not just because the event itself was cool, but it was, uh, it was, it was interesting. I'll be honest. I found it difficult. I found it difficult to ask my friends for money. We raised, I think it was 28 or $29,000 for, uh, for a, an excellent organization, so I felt good about that at the end. But it was it was a grind. It was it definitely took me outside of my comfort zone to to reach out to to friends. I had some very generous friends who wrote quite large checks. That uh, uh, you know, it's 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 a an awkward almost feeling. But at the end of the day, I think there's a couple lasting thoughts for me out of doing that. One was without a doubt. Every year, I think the day that I feel maybe worst about myself as a member of society is when I'm doing my income tax and you, uh, you know, you reach into your file to pull all your charitable uh, donation tax receipts for the year and start adding them up. And you realize that you're not nearly as uh, charitable as you thought you were. Right? <laughs> Every year I look at it, I'm like, wow, that's it? Holy <laughs> shit. I felt like I sponsored everybody who asked me to do something. But the number just feels embarrassingly small. And so that's kind of one thing I think about when I think of charity. The other thing is um, I typically, like my own personal giving my own philosophy has always been i will generally and i know this is kind of dangerous to say on a podcast but i will generally sponsor anyone who asks me to if they're doing something so if you just ask me to give you money i'm not going to do it but if you say i'm you know walking for 10 miles to raise money for something or whatever the hell you're doing if you're actually doing something i will sponsor you to do it because i think good on you. You're actually making an effort to go out and do something which I don't often do. So my my charitable dollars, my personal donations have generally been directed at um, friends who do things and then I sponsor them. And last year was a little bit different because a very good friend of mine asked me to help him um, organize a, a team for a large charity event uh, the charity was West West Park Rehabilitation Hospital, which is a, a hospital here in Toronto um, where people go to rehab for various medical reasons. In the case of my friend, he is a above-the-knee left leg amputee. So a number of years ago when he lost his leg um, from a severe infection, he stayed at West Park for like a couple of months, I'm going to say for sure. And I would visit him there. And it's, uh, you know, George, you see this stuff all the time. Bruce, you and I have fortunately seen less of it in our lives. Almost zero. When you go visit someone, yeah, yeah. When you go visit someone you love in the hospital and they're like in a, in a really bad place, like it's, it's a, just a terrifying experience. And I remember being at the rehab hospital with Sam and um, he was basically being taught, 
you know, how to live after the loss of a limb. And I just remember thinking like, you know, I'm a good friend. I'm going to do whatever I can to help Sam. I'm going to help him get through this. Like, you know, you pull everything together. But I also remember thinking, I have no idea how to help him. Like, I just don't know what to do right now. And the people at West Park were amazing. And, you know, here we are six, seven years later. And Sam, I mean, if he walked into the room right now, you wouldn't even know that uh, that he uh, is a uh, is a above the knee amputee. Like, he lives a very full and, and normal life. And a lot of that came out of the fantastic work from that hospital. So I thought, you know what, that is definitely kind of touches me personally and something that I will put my shoulder into, into trying to do some work to raise some money for. And, uh, so it was good. It was a good experience for me. I felt good about it at the end. Um, but it did definitely take me out of my comfort zone to, to ask people for money. Yeah. I'm, I'm not good at asking people for money. And I think, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit like you. I don't, at the end of the year, always feel like maybe I should have put some more money into something. And part of it is, uh, and I know it, maybe it's a little bit of what you're saying. I'm not, this is sad to say, empathetic enough. So until something like that happens to a friend of yours that you can see, it's hard to put yourself in someone else's shoes because there's probably a hundred causes like the one you just talked about or a thousand in the world um, that are important, but they don't strike home in my heart enough for me to go out and raise some money or, or spend some time for lots of those. Um, I'm not proud of that. Yeah, absolutely. That, 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 no, but that's absolutely true, Bruce. I think, you know, because I had a personal connection to that story, it changed everything in my mind. Um, and maybe that's, maybe that's what it takes. Maybe, maybe the people out there who, um, spend a lot of time and effort involved in charitable activities, maybe it's because they've had more personal, um, association with the need for charity. I'm not sure. Yeah. But, uh, Without a doubt, that personal connection, without that, I, I, I would not have, I mean, I would have written a check, but I wouldn't have, have gotten involved and actually, you know, donated my time, which I, I think is a, a bigger gift. Yeah, that's a, that's a tricky one. And I think that's what I struggle with. I think I feel like a lot of the charity that I do, and I'm not sure if it is charity, and maybe this is a cop-out. A, part of it is I think I'm just cheap. I don't want to believe that, but <laughs> giving giving out money is, is hard to do. I never feel bad about it after I do it, but it just doesn't strike me as the right thing. But I spend a fair bit of time helping people in our community. So I wrote a grant application to get some uh, musical instruments for Wapanuck School so that Eastwood, or we call it Eastwood, Wapanuck could have a little bit stronger band program because there's lots of kids there that can't afford that. Thompson Community Foundation, I help them out a fair bit, but it's always, you know, emceeing and helping out with events and things like that. And I'm not sure if that's charity or is that a cop-out because I don't love handing out money. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, and lots of what Well, I, you're being charitable. I, I would say so. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, volunteering your time. Yeah. And I mean, I spend lots of time helping out with our community, right? Different causes and things like that. But in terms of actually writing a check, it's not that great. It's a, and it's a little bit like, I think it's the cliche, but it's act local, think global. And so very little of what I do, I feel is for our bigger world. Almost all of it is for Thompson and, and the people around here. So, I mean, you, you feel good about that stuff. Um, I'm a little bit like you too, Les. I'm, I'm a huge sucker for anyone that shows up at the door, especially kids. And I think that harkens back to us in Juniper School yep. where you, you walked around <laughs> and you sold chocolate bars and you collected beer bottles and, and all that. You didn't just start up a GoFundMe page. You went and did it. Um, and so if, yeah. if any kid shows up at my door, I don't care what they're selling or what hockey team or girl guides or who they are. 
um, you know, they're getting 20 or 30 bucks out of us just for just for showing up at the door. George, where are you at on uh, charity and charitable giving? You know, uh, when I was listening to Les have that talk about Sam, you know, I was sort of indirectly involved. I remember Les calling me for that charity and it is it is a great cause. And I think you guys hit it both on the head. It's It's the connection. And it leads to my point of why I don't like charity uh, is because I, I, I love I love that you said that out loud. <laughs> wait, wait, wind yeah. back the tape. Did you just say I don't, I don't like charity? I, do, I don't like charities. I don't like I don't like I like I, I like the uh, the human characteristic of uh, charitable, but charities to me I've got a really uh, sour taste in my mouth. Now, in particular, I'll go back and say what Les did, the the fundraising he did, it was awesome. There was an immediate connection. You know, I gave money to Les. Uh, by the way, Les, Alex has no problem and felt very comfortable pushing my charity up because she felt 500 wasn't <laughs> enough. So, she, so, she, so if Alex is listening, I remember writing that check and she kind of looked at me and went, really, is that all that you're giving to Les, you fucking cheap bastard? And so I doubled down <laughs> to more so money. So you added a zero? <laughs> so I added a zero, exactly. Uh, so the reason why is it goes back to like us being kids and this is why I don't like charity. It's, it's the dilution factor of charities and you guys have already hit this on the head. When we were kids, I felt there was, it was like TV channels. There was only a few of them. They seemed to be very well organized. They were done by people who weren't getting paid very much. They were doing out of their heart. You know, we were collecting pennies for UNICEF at Halloween. Now there is a dilution factor that makes charities just seem like weak sauce. There is an organization for everything. I'm fatigued by how much I'm asked. Like the concept of charity is gone. It feels like it's a money grab for me, even though I know it's not in a lot of great causes. Uh, I'm glad that you mentioned the GoFundMe, uh, Bruce, because you know that's been around, what, eight or nine years. It started off amazing. And now all of these stories are coming out. You know, there was just one a month ago about this couple in New Jersey that did a GoFundMe page. They raised like half a million dollars for these homeless people and then they totally embezzled the money. And so people are using that, that's the negative part of it. The whole concept of GoFundMe as a, as a charity is in itself bullshit. Like it's raising, it's people trying to get money for something and often nothing to do with the charitable helping of others. Uh, and then the other aspect of it, since I'm shitting on charity, I'll just keep going. <laughs> it's big business, it's big business now. Uh, you cannot hire somebody in your charitable organization if you're not paying them f north of five figures. And there's lots of examples, including the IWK, like the Children's Foundation, the Dairy Queen, you know, every dollar of a blizzard sold today goes towards these guys. You know, that that lady there, you know, she was getting paid $300,000 to be the CEO or the CFO. And then, you know, she ran $50,000 of personal expense from Halifax Hospital mm -hmm. to Ontario. Like, it's all of these stories. And, and it's like a social event in Calgary. I have gone to a couple of charities or, you know, raising money for prostate cancer, for leukemia, all of, you know, because obviously I'm medically inclined. And it's like a show. It's a pageantry. Like, people are dressing up. It, like, it feels like it's an award show. Like people aren't showing up there to talk about all the good things they're doing. They're showing up to show the new tux that they get to wear twice a year. <laughs> and it just it's a big production. 
I fucking hate charity, guys. I just, it's totally the opposite of what my mom taught me as a kid and how she grew up with the nuns and the priests and the charitable things that they would do for the poor. It's become big business. It's way too diluted for me. And uh, I'm fatigued. So there. I like that. I won't say that I don't like charity. Everybody and their dog, sorry to say it, has uh, has something going on. And you you could somehow try to support all of those. And, and in the end, you just get paralyzed and only give money to the kids coming collecting beer bottles at the door. So I'm with you on that one. I'm not a big fan of the GoFundMes either. I mean, the, I think the example of the, the good feelings gone bad has to be the hockey team in Saskatchewan whose bus got creamed and everybody wanted to be part of that and put some money into it. But all of a sudden they've got $12 million when they didn't need $12 million. And now what do you do with it? And you're right, then there gets to be a fight over it and, and people want to help, but it's a, it's an interesting kind of a, a thing where that $12 million probably could have gone better somewhere else. The, the interesting little aside I heard on one of those was just that someone said, we have mental health services at our work and we should donate some counselor time over the phone or send some people to do that instead of sending money for a new arena, which I thought was a really, really kind of cool spin on that. Uh, Les, anything to say on George's uh, pretty clear stance on charity? First of all, I'm going to say in George's defense, you know, you can start off with a strong statement like, I don't like charity, but George wrote a very big check last year, the one and only time I've asked him for a charitable donation. You know, I don't want that to be taken the wrong way. But I think, George, you made you made some really important points about some of the darker sides of um, the charity industry. Um, as with all things going on in the world right now, there is a lot of financial malfeasance in, in the world of charitable giving. You know, GoFundMe pages that pop up immediately after a heart-tugging accident are wrought with challenge because somebody's house burns down and it's all over the news and it's a terrible story and everybody is sad and their next door neighbor starts a GoFundMe page for the kids and two weeks later there's a million dollars in the next door neighbor's account and there's been no you know legal framework or structure put in place to figure out what's going to go on with that uh, money and that's a problem um, so there you know there there are ways to continue to be charitable as you are, George, without getting too dragged down with kind of the the crappy side of the industry. The bottom line is, you know, it's 2018. If you put $100 million on the table, a lot of money on the table brings a lot of, you know, questionable decisions uh, with it. So you just have to be really careful. But I would, I would say, do your research, find charities that you can trust and believe in and, and feel good giving to them. And, and you can relieve some of that anger that you have towards charities, George. Well, I, you know, I, I appreciate the coach session as I was listening to you. Uh, I'm glad because I don't want to come across as a, as a prick. I, I, I'm purposely being the negative of it because I think if people bring up charity, they're going to think, oh, this is going to be all, you know, butterflies and ice cream. So I appreciate you defending me. And you're right. I mean, I, I gave you that money because of exactly what you said. There's a connection. I knew it was important to you. It was important to Sam. Um, there's a medical connection to it. So, you know, absolutely. There's a good way to do some research. And it's interesting that you said all the financials and uh, are online because something that's interesting that I've noticed is most good charities now post a charity quotient. So what does it take for them to raise $100 in both directions? Meaning uh, if you're a good charity, it 
it's around 10 to 15 dollars of overage for you to gain a hundred dollars so you've got to keep the lights on pay somebody to collect the money distribute the money and then they also give you the other number that for every one hundred and fifteen dollars right because it, it took 15 to get that 100 and what actually goes out the other end so i like that i think i like that uh, oversight uh of what good charities will do and so though that's yep, a good definitely. point less yeah totally george i, I sorry yeah. to jump in bruce but george i want to throw something back to you because specifically you were talking about um medical and obviously a lot of the charitable asks that we get, like the a lot of the biggest ones are for medical research, right? Like prostate cancer, breast cancer, like breast cancer awareness might be the sort of like most largest um, in terms of marketing and publicity of, of any charity these days. My thoughts on those is why would I give money to a charity that is doing research on cancer when... I mean, fuck, isn't our entire healthcare system trying to cure cancer, George? Like, shouldn't it be Health Canada and, you know, the, the strong medical minds that you work with, like proper medical research, isn't that self-funded right now? Like, why, why is there a middleman between my dollars and cancer research when, you know, 55% of my dollars go to the government anyway, and the government funds healthcare, which theoretically funds cancer research. So I, I always feel like with the large um, medical research charities, it, it feels like it's something that should be covered with tax dollars. Yeah, that's an interesting question. There's a few, it's a really complicated answer, but just some bullet points. One, healthcare delivery is incredibly inefficient the cost benefit ratio is terrible for most things. So the Canadian healthcare system is very good at taking care of people who are sick right now. They're not very good at taking care of people who are sick for a long time over the period of their life. So 90% of our tax dollars go towards, or 90% of our healthcare tax dollars go to about 10% of the population. So the vast majority, including all of us on the podcast, most of who we know, don't in any way dip into the healthcare system for any meaningful way. The gigantic example opposite to that is was uh, Sammy, what he went through. And then you see how unbelievably great it is to have the safety net, which is our healthcare system, right? In any other country, uh, he would have been broke. Like his life would have been destroyed. His oh, yeah, family would have, yeah. you know, he was, he was literally months uh, in hospital. That's why people go looking for money because just to keep the lights on in the hospital, to pay for the nurses, to pay for the cleaning staff, to pay my bills, to pay for the CTMRI, everything goes to just taking care of people that there's a very small minority of uh, scientists, thank goodness, that are interested in doing that basic research and they get paid shit for it. Like they have to go begging for money. They've got to get research grants. Uh, and a lot of the medical um, model of how research gets done is by asking because there's not enough left in the kitty. So I know it seems crazy, 
because you feel like you're getting double dipped. Oh my God, half of every dollar I make goes towards the government. You know, 60% of all of that goes towards our provincial healthcare budget. And now I have to, you know, give more money away. It's because there's not very much left over. Uh, healthcare is ridiculously inefficient. And I could talk about that forever and it could be a separate cast. Uh, but uh, that's why I think you you have that frustration because uh, you would never run healthcare the way you run your business. Like you would be shocked how badly and poorly it's run. Our, uh, we're, we're at the tomato timer, George. I couldn't agree with you more. As you were talking about that, I know you and I had a long talk about healthcare and I, I just put it on our list. So uh, upcoming topic, I think there's a whole bunch more to dig into there just to, to sort of sympathize with you a bit. Lots of my work life has been on wellness and health promotion and things like that upstream healthcare and there's just no money for that and that's a little bit what you're talking about too right George to to catch people before they get sick and find ways to do that the money's not there until you're sitting in the ER so lightning round if you had to give some money to a charity, which which one are we going to shout out? I think we all kind of know, although I'm going to swerve you guys just a little bit. Marnie's involved with a really cool one. It's called 100 Women Who Care. Four times a year, 100 women to get together. You bring 100 bucks. Three people in your community come and make a presentation. You vote at the end of the night, and that winner walks away with 10 grand for a community project. No overhead, no nothing, and it's a pretty local kind of thing. And $10,000 at the Y or for a school group or... Anything like that makes a, a pretty decent difference in Thompson. So I'll shout out 100 women who care. Pretty cool. Lester, I, I'm guessing we know your answer, but go anyway. <laughs> uh, no, well, I mentioned the one that I was involved in last year. I, I will say that there's two charities in Toronto that I regularly donate to. Well, not one's in Toronto, one's not. You know, coming back to what you're saying about the whole think global, give local um, there's a uh, homeless shelter um, in my old neighborhood here in Toronto called Scott Mission. Um, you realize when you talk to the people there that, you know, we just, we just recorded something about Thanksgiving. It doesn't cost that much for me to pay for Thanksgiving dinner for a hundred, uh, people in Toronto. It's amazingly small amount of money. So I try to do that every year. The other charity that I wholly endorse is the Stephen Lewis foundation. You can find all their information online, stephenlewisfoundation.org. Uh, they do post their financial statements and they do, they continue to do fantastic work with uh, HIV and AIDS related projects in Africa. You know, obviously something that's touched my life as well. So if you're feeling charitable after hearing George complain about <laughs> charity and you feel like making a donation, <laughs> Stephen Lewis foundation. <laughs> Beautiful. Georgie, you get a chance to, uh, you got anything? You can take a pass if you want. Yeah, no, no, I, I do have something. When people are charitable, it impresses the hell out of me. And a very good example is, you know, the Gates Foundation, how many billions of dollars they've given it, and specifically to HIV research or the Warren Buffetts of the world who have said, look, I've got so much money, I'm going to give it all away. So the other side of that is I'm often in awe by people who have made a ridiculous amount of wealth and are smart enough to realize there is no way, even if MC Hammer was my accountant, could I possibly <laughs> spend all this money? <laughs> so Shout out, so, I love it. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I will say uh, that degree of charitable charity by those particular individuals, uh, I get blown away by it. So for me, um, outside of giving to less last year, uh, I haven't given a lot, but one that I have to 
is by a, a group of women here. Uh, one of them, uh, some of my colleagues who have created uh, Women's for Men's Health. So it's women who appreciate that society, men, the way we grew up, our father figures, we don't talk about our health very often. Uh, prostate cancer, testicular cancer, going for screening. And, you know, like I've talked about your health and my health with you guys very openly. It's my job. But on average, men are very poor at talking about their illnesses. And these women have recognized it. And out here in Calgary, they've uh, created this, you know, prostate awareness with, you know, Brett the Hitman Hart, because he still lives in Calgary from the, you know, the WWF. So a little shout out to them. Uh, they're doing good work. They're making, uh, it's kind of like Movember or November where, you know, they're, they're putting men to task to say, guys, you got to talk about stuff like this. You can't just be the strong, silent type. So I've been supporting them. This is my fight song. Take back my life. When is the last time you were punched in the face or punched someone in the face? I'm going first since it's my question and I actually cannot tell you the last time I got punched in the face, which is kind of funny since I brought this question up. And, and I don't think I've ever actually been in a real fight. Like, a, I mean, I've sort of had play fights and goofed around with people, but I, I couldn't honestly tell you where I was in a fight where I thought I want to like beat the shit out of someone. But part of the reason I thought of this question was because uh, we were talking to producer Mike about that feeling when you get hit in the face. So I, I've never been punched. I got hit hard with a soccer ball by Dwayne Halverson. And <laughs> and that ended that effectively ended my soccer career. I was actually okay as a junior soccer player in Thompson. But you know that feeling when you get hit hard in the face and you, you just kind of can't describe it. But it's a, it's a feeling. He was talking to his wife, Jenny, and she said she'd never felt that. Like it had never happened. And, and have I ever actually punched someone in the face? No. I elbowed Marnie hard in the eye. We talked about that. That was really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think there should have been an agreement on this in advance that no domestic dispute stories would be shared <laughs> yeah you're exactly right. from here forward let's all pinky let's all pinky swear on that that if you did if you were involved in a domestic we'll talk about something else so um other than that i, I know i've given people face wash and uh, and a bump here and there at hockey but never uh, never a punch in the face in anger well i've seen wayne jackson kick a lot of people in the face at the head frame <laughs> does that count <laughs> uh so i actually do have i, I do remember and I think, like, when you mentioned Lurie in the last Thanksgiving, was it, like, the the Lurie that Steve DeGroot dated? Like, that Lurie? Yeah, that Lurie, Marnie's, uh, her best friend from high school. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure Lurie was involved in this peripherally. So uh, Steve and I were at the Montcom, and at the time I was dating um, Catherine Nazer uh, from our volleyball team, Bruce, right? Because Marnie, you and I, and Catherine... We're all on the same volleyball team and with Rick McKenzie, I think, and then a group boys. And uh, Steve and I were drunk. It was like an Archie comic. All three of us were dating three friends. Like, it was bizarre. Yeah, it was bizarre. Yeah, and I think, uh, <laughs> like, I'm not, I think you legitimately were dating Marnie. I think Steve and I were being more of an asshole <laughs> approach to our dating style. But anyways, that's separate. And I ended up getting into a fight because this guy started... Um, being a prick to Catherine and I you know I'm not a big fighter like you know I, I've seen lots of fight I've never been a big fight and out of nowhere this guy hit me uh, and he glanced so I know exactly the feeling that you talked about and then I fucking smoked the guy 
and I was like fully pushing him down to the ground and punching him as he was throwing down. And I wish Steve was here to validate. He goes, it was the first and only time I've seen you in a fight. And I went crazy. Like I, I beat the shit out of this guy. And, uh, and then he got thrown out of, uh, of Monty's and I didn't because the bouncer saw that he took the first punch. So that was like like early nineties. Like so so that was like twenty five years ago and it involved Larie, Catherine Nazer. I think Marnie was there. We should ask Marnie if she was there for that fight. I'm almost certain Marnie was there and she saw my first and only university day fight. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll ask her and I'll report back on the next pod if she remembers you. I fucking rock that guy. That's 20 plus years ago, but I remember that story and I wasn't even there. I just remember you telling me about it and Steve telling me about it. And uh, if you had asked me, Bruce, when was the last time George threw a punch? I would have said, well, I only know this one time at the Montcalm he beat some guy up. <laughs> Lester, Mexico City was okay to you, but uh, any other time you ever been punched in the face? I did not get punched in the face in Mexico City. The... You know, I played a lot of years of rec league basketball here in Toronto um, in leagues without refs. And uh, as you guys know, basketball is a ridiculous sport to play without refs because (laughs) it inevitably breaks down to arguments over foul calls, which inevitably um, end up in scuffles. So I'm proud to say that, uh, you know, sort of 10, 12 years of rec league basketball, I have never thrown a punch on the court, but I've been on the receiving end of of a few, usually trying to break up fights, like uh, just in the scuffle. But, uh, you know, you, you catch one here or there. So I have... I have I have been popped a couple times, but I do want to tell one story in, in terms of the a, a good time that I caught a punch, like what George is describing. Um, it was at uh, at my commerce grad party <laughs> after grad was in the Place Louis Riel Hotel. People had bought up a bunch of of rooms and after grad, everybody was there, you know, so you got all these drunk guys in suits and all these girls in formal dresses. And of course, a big scrap breaks out in one of the rooms and uh, guys were like charging to try to get into the, the room and other people, you know, girls were trying to get out of the room and just this melee was going on. And I remember uh, grabbing this guy, holding him back because he was trying to get into the room and we're just trying to like calm things down. And so I was holding this guy back and uh, the lights went out in the room. Right when the lights went out, he kind of pulled me forward into the room and just as my nose came through the door while I'm holding this guy back, pop, right in the nose. No idea who threw the punch because it was pitch black in the room and and fully broken nose. I remember just going... Ah, fuck. I broke my nose again. (laughs) I just found a chair in the darkness and I just sat down and my (laughs) nose was just gushing blood on the floor and there's big fight was going on all around me and I was just sitting there going, ah, what a pain in the ass. (laughs) And uh, yeah, that would have been, well, what year did I graduate university? 94, I guess summer of 94 is the last time I I took a, a good shot in the face. And I never knew, I never found out who threw the punch. Get the fuck out of here. Did Steve really just drop in in the final minute of his pod? <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
Because I like the final minute of two. I, uh, sorry. I I heard up loyalty today, but it turned into a great gift, which you guys will hear all. I wasn't sure. I'm not in cell range at all, uh, and I can come with the connection and stuff. So I'm still outside of that. Wait, Steve. J- Steve, just before you go, can you validate that I got into the fight at Moncom and won? You were there. Oh, I needed oh, a witness. Yeah, actually, uh, it was probably it was pretty impressive, and it wasn't just anybody. It was one of the best fighters on the live hockey team. For all the listeners who can't hear what Steve is saying right now, he just said that he thinks George punched a girl at the Montcalm. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I kicked her ass. The rap for me is I actually got fighting lessons from Mel Engelstad, and I bet you guys don't know who that is, but he oh, played for geez. the Manitoba Moose for a bunch of years. He fought Bob Probert. He he has some videos online. Cool. He's, he's the mangler, and he was a firefighter here in Thompson for a while, and uh, one day after practice, he showed a bunch of us just uh, <laughs> just some stuff to not get your block knocked off. And then a couple of day- games later, he kind of lost his mind and was skating around seeing red, <laughs> and uh, there was no way I was getting anywhere near that guy. His hands are just like two stumps. You shake hands with him at the end of the game, and it's just, it's unreal. His, it's like he's just got one giant knuckle, and uh, it's crazy. <laughs> so Mel Engelstad, look him up online. Give, give me a couple fighting lessons I hope to never use. Super guy. Such a character. Man, we miss him. Too bad we missed Steve this time, but we'll get him next time. Georgie, <laughs> get some fluids in you. Plenty of rest. <laughs> yeah, and obviously Steve isn't uh, joining us for dinner because he didn't just go to Canmore. He kept driving another <laughs> Our west <laughs> to Bath. He's some. He's lost on the highway. It's ridiculous. All right, later, All right, boys. See you, boys. Later. Hey, right on. You listened all the way to the end. Thanks for that. Rate, review us. Send us a message somehow. We're on a bunch of social media. We're at Snow Day Pod. If there's something you're dying to hear us talk about, shoot us some topic ideas. We're always looking for those. We're game for everything short of where do babies come from and. We've got a doctor on staff. He could probably handle that. But you know what? With enough bourbon, I think any of us would probably give that a shot. Thanks, too, to Shannon Bisson, The Secret Weapon.